Hello, welcome to My Camino, the podcast. I'm Dan Mullins. It's great to have your company. So many messages from around the world this week. It's such a blessing to hear from pilgrims who are preparing to walk, who, who have just returned. I think preparation is vital. Make sure you wear in your shoes. Make sure you have good socks. Make sure your backpack is fitted correctly. Today is Easter Sunday. I'm doing a show this afternoon at a pub just down the road from my home. It'll be packed and we'll sing along and dance and tell stories. It's a true blessing to be able to give people the gift of music. I'm going to be taking my ukulele with me this afternoon. Someone saw a picture of it on my website this week and asked me about it. Well, the story goes something like this. I love music being part of my life because it is a blessing. I may not necessarily be the best singer or guitarist or all-over musician, but I can entertain a room full of people. I can deliver on the brief, as they say. People often tell me they were taught a musical instrument as a child, but gave it away. And I say always, what's stopping you picking it up again? It's never too late. It's only you stopping you. And they say they despair for their own children who are considering giving up their lessons. They despair not being able to play all these years later and they don't know how to convey to the children the regret they'll one day feel. Well, I always tell the story of a bloke I met in 1993. I'd just finished a gig and he said, man, I wish I could do what you do. And I said, well, what's stopping you? He said, I'm nearly 33. I've never picked up an instrument. I've left my run a bit late. And I asked him what instrument he'd play if I waved a magic wand and he told me the clarinet. Well, I said, if you pick up the clarinet this week for the first time, by the time you're 43, you'll have been playing for 10 years. In 10 years, I said, you can be a really good clarinet player. And he had this look on his face and he said, thanks. Every time we crossed paths for the next 15 years, he'd buy me a beer. He now plays weekly in a little quartet, he plays in a big band, and he plays in his local community band, and he's a very, very, very good clarinetist. It can be done, so do it. I'm not a very good guitarist, as I said. In fact, I'm about as good today as I was in high school, but I can combine the song with the vocal and deliver a version of a song. Um, if I'm playing at a pub or a club and I do about 80 shows a year, I'll usually play 45 songs. I make good money, I enjoy what I do and I get to meet people and it provides the funds to do things like walking Caminos and making records. Well, in week 82 of my Camino, the podcast, my guest was the US pilgrim Bernie Bonar. And in the course of our communication, his social media pages showed him playing the ukulele. And it was a very beautiful ukulele. In another picture... He appeared to be handing someone a ukulele, like almost presenting it. And he wrote to me and said, I make them. And I said, oh, can I commission one? And he said, well, I don't really do orders because I don't like deadlines and I like to take my time and to create something of real beauty, which makes him, I guess, a true artisan. Indeed, he is a true artisan. And he said, I'll make you one, Dan. And I said, oh, I'll be happy to pay you, Bernie. Tell me how much and, and what's required and... He said, look, we'll worry about that down the track, but I should have it to you by Christmas. So in the ensuing weeks and months, Bernie sent me pictures of wood pieces that would make up the body of the ukulele. It was mango wood, chocolate mango wood. Then he sent pictures of the headstock and he'd incorporated the pilgrim's shell in an abalone shell inlay. The soundboard is torrified spruce wood aged in a way to improve the tone of the instrument. And the sound hole is in the shape of a pilgrim's shell. So not long after, Bernie and I talked about him creating something special for me. He told me his next instrument would be his 100th. 
and he'd be making my ukulele to mark the milestone. It arrived just before Christmas. It's the most perfectly created piece of craftsmanship and musicianship I have ever had the good fortune to hold. It's more than a blessing. It's the heart and soul of music and being a musician. If you've ever wanted to feel beauty rather than seeing it, if you've ever wanted to experience love in art, and if you've ever wanted to see and feel true joy in your fingertips, play music. I have this gorgeous ukulele, number 100, to remind me of the goodness of people, the love of music, and the joy of giving. I call it Sandy because it was built in San Diego. So thank you, Bernie, for teaching me more lessons in music and life. And it was Plato who said, music gives a soul to the universe, wings to the mind, flight to the imagination, and life to everything. So does pilgrimage. But I have to concede, I don't know a lot about this week's guest. Indeed, until a few moments ago, I didn't even know his last name. (laughs) Vince Bacalan wrote to me some time ago to say he enjoys the podcast. And Vince is on the line from Washington. Welcome, Pilgrim. Hey, Dan. It's good to finally talk to you. Yeah. You were initially reluctant to join me on the podcast. What brought about the change of heart? Uh, the Camino. Um, yeah, so uh, a couple of days after um, sending you a response saying, I kind of, it's nice that you um, invited me for an interview, but, um, you know, politely or, you know, decline it because I, at, at the time I felt a little bit unworthy of just being like talking about myself mm-hmm. the whole yeah. time. Yeah. And, and that was all. It was only like a few days into my Camino, and then a couple of days later, my the, my Camino changed because that's when I realized. Well, the Camino kind of gave away its magic after the fact, and I basically realized that it was no longer about me, but other people, other pilgrims enriching my own Camino, which makes it really interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you wrote to tell me that you started researching the Camino during the great lockdown of 2020. What was it like discovering this ancient pilgrimage and learning so much about it and yearning so much to be there, but being locked up, unable to get there? I think it was probably just the whole, um, just being in lockdown mode, you know, I, I think you, you start to realize what you value, what you miss the most. And uh, even though I consider myself somewhat of an, a more of an introverted person, I, I do like to go out and be amongst people, even I don't seek it out and be the center of attention. And um, I also like to hike just in general. I like nature in general, too. So somehow I kind of just come across the Camino by chance and I have learned about it a, a couple years before, but I never really thought about, you know, walking it or anything. I just didn't even think twice about it until somehow during the lockdown, something clicked. Mm. And, um, and then I somehow came across your podcast and then I literally went through all your podcasts all what is that you're approaching with 300 maybe over now i basically went through all your podcasts in a span of a few months just before i left for wow. santiago uh, for um san st john about ooh, 
I, I think about I had like a week or so before I le- I left. Yeah, you must be sick of the sound of my voice. <laughs> no, I, you know, I I really um I, I enjoyed it and I learned a lot and it really helped me prepare. Fantastic. There were definitely some some pointers and uh, yeah. you know and and before we got any further, I, I just want to thank you for for doing this in the service of all other pilgrims um, because, you know, you could have easily just, you know, stopped this at 50 podcasts or never at all. And I think this is one of the reasons why I'm, I'm, I'm coming out of hiding because <laughs> I think if, if we don't do this for other people, we don't talk about other people's stories, um, those stories will continue to remain untold. Oh, and, wow. um, you know, you know, and the same reason why that I got inspired to really take this seriously, this this walking thing, Camino, um, is because of what I heard through you and, and other places and all the hours that I spent on YouTube, uh, you know, yeah. visualizing what I what I could be uh, feeling while I'm taking the same steps that all others have done before. How fantastic. Yeah, you, you, well, thank you very much for saying those very kind words. Um, I, I just absolutely love it, and I'm certain everybody knows that. But, um, yeah, we, we are approaching 300 podcasts, I think. I, I can't re- remember all that much. But you really enjoyed <laughs> following two vloggers, um, Runaway Renegade and Fast Car Philosopher. Cody and Runaway yeah. Renegade is great. I know his work, but I wasn't so familiar with Fast Car Philosopher, but I, I did a bit of research and really enjoyed it. What did you learn from engaging with those vloggers? Did they encourage you to do it? Did they put wind in your sails or did they, I mean, at, at times Cody struggles a bit. So, so what did you yeah. learn? What did you learn from those guys? Uh, well, I actually didn't interact with them uh, directly. I mean, which is really probably no surprise to you how I've kept like my social or I mean my digital uh, footprint pretty minimal. Yeah. But just learning about like the perils of walking, like, you know, that second day, I guess, or the first day for uh, Cody and, and, and them that they slept under a tree or something because yeah. they walked too far. And yeah. Uh, I was like, yeah, I don't want to do that, first of all. I mean, that's just like, it, it, it will just trigger all kinds of fears for me. But <laughs> um, but, um, but I did um, for the, um, you know, Fast Car Philosopher. Gosh, he was, well, of course, Dan, he's also an Aussie. Yeah. I mean, even though he's, you know, his work is, he's been living in, in Spain, he's, you know, you could, you know, I, something about his mannerism and it just kind of it's so welcoming. And I really learned because it was right around the time when um, potentially where I really thought about considering the Camino. Um, and he also, um, I think he's also a believer too. So I think he kind of was also trying to figure out how to... Uh, find some answers, how yeah. to make sense of it all while doing the Camino. Yeah. And I actually like wrote to him a couple times because, and I can't remember exactly why, but I think it's one of those stops where he just kind of had this big revelation to himself. And I, I just said like, you know, I don't do this a lot, but I had to respond to your, one of your um, videos because it, it really spoke to me. And 
um, yeah, I, I can probably dig it up and then um, mm. you know, and tell you which one which one of the videos it, it really spoke to me. So, yeah, yeah. Well, I think it's really important that you do your research and and there's a lot of information around now. Um, and so I often say, you know, are you a spreadsheet pilgrim? Did you plan it all and all of that sort of stuff? But I guess <laughs> yeah. I guess the bottom line is, you know, you 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 gather as much information as you think you need. And away you go. And then COVID, the restrictions are lifted. So you, Vince, you finally got the all clear to travel again and you headed to Spain. And we'll get to your Camino in just a moment. But you began your journey, as I did in a way, in France. Tell us about that. Yeah. Um, there was a, there was a, there's definitely a pull with starting in St. John and you know it seemed like that that's where everybody starts so I knew that I had to start there I don't think I really there was no other option for me uh, because I, I I felt like that if I was going to do my Camino once the first time around um, I had to do it there um, but I didn't realize that I would go through Lords first. <laughs> that wasn't in the cards in the beginning, but it, I, I thought I was just going to fly through Paris and then make the connection yeah. straight through St. John. But, um, you know, somehow like things kind of got uh, redirected and I found myself in Lords, and then, um, and then made my way over to uh, St. John. Actually, the first time I connected with you by email was, on the train, uh, leaving Lords on my way to Bayonne, um, then, and then, you know, I think I said something like, um, you know, I guess I, I could understand why like people flock to Lords because of some miracles or healing attributes are associated. And I feel like, I felt like at the time I was a recipient of those because I had a mini miracle of sorts, I suppose, uh, while I was there. Yeah, and you wrote to me to say that in Lourdes, to begin your Camino, in prayerful contemplation, before I embark on this experience, count me as a recipient of its healing miracles too. So tell us about that miracle, or miracles. Yeah, uh, I mean, mean, you know, maybe for the those who are listening, may, it may not seem like it, but... Uh, I'm a crazy um, traveler when it comes to, you know, getting on the ground. So as soon as I landed, I went straight through Toulouse and then made my connection to um, Lourdes in the same day. So at some point along the way, I guess I didn't eat. And of course, you know, overnighting it from the States, you don't really get much sleep. So I was already like deprived of that. So I had this massive headache. And once I get this headache, I seem to can't get get it out of my system, even if I take meds for it or mm. take a nap or something. Yeah. I'm just weird like that, Dan. So it's for some reason, I, you know, I kept this head just keeps throbbing. And so I made it somehow push through Lourdes. I, I, I did some touristy stuff. I got my credential there. Um, I got there late, so I literally only had like three or four hours at the most before nighttime set in. And um, you're familiar with this, uh, you know, there are springs there. You can yeah. take uh, waters there from the, those faucets and take it with you. And 
that was one of the last things I did. I went through, I, I, I lit my candle, I said some prayers. All I, you know, I participated in the novenas happening there. Yeah. And even then, for some reason, I was like, okay, this headache just has to go away because I, you know, if this continues on, tomorrow is not going to be fun. My first day on the Camino. And for some reason, I just felt like, okay, well, let's see how this uh, water, healing water comes. And then I, I kid you not, Dan, as soon as the water touched like the head, like where it was throbbing, it was like instant relief. And maybe it was just, you know, maybe I could have done it at the hotel or something with the same water or something. But I literally like washed my face beforehand before leaving again. And um, for some reason, when when those waters hit my forehead, it was like. I never had any headache at all. And I was like, was that just an accident? Because it, I literally went from having a throbbing headache to like almost everything gone. Wow. So that's, amazing. that's when I realized, yeah, that's when I realized it's, uh, there, there's something here. Even if I was, you know, maybe skeptical or anything, that was, that was the beginning of many things that opened me up to the possibility of surprises. Wow, that's a great story. So you wrote to me to suggest that I interview you. Uh, you said because you weren't sure if I'd ever interviewed anyone who had not finished their Camino. Um, for the record, I have. I remember Susan Morris telling me that she she hurt her, her leg and, and had to go home. So tell us your Camino story. Um, I'm really interested to hear. Uh, you didn't finish. Yeah, um, you, you, I'm sure you have probably gathered that, you know, for us Americans who are still working, you know, we don't have the luxury of multiple weeks of uh, days off from work. So it just so happened that I had this three-week window that opened up late last year, and I had to use it or else it was just going to be unused or I would lose it. Yeah. And this is one of those times, Dan, where I literally had no plans to do the Camino. And then like somehow within a span of a couple weeks, I went from like, okay, I, I had to use these three weeks. Where can I go? Oh, maybe I should probably take this Camino thing <laughs> like, and make it happen during these three weeks. And just like that, I, I made the decision, okay, I'll do this. I'll, you know, I'll, I'll, put together, you know, the best itinerary I can and then, um, and then go from there. Mm. Um, yeah. And then, you know, of course, by this point, it was already like close to September, October. And, um, I was really wanting to climb over the Pyrenees, mm. you know, the, the, the classic Napoleon route and there, everything, but I couldn't make my schedule work. So I had to push it back another two weeks. So I started actually on my trek on uh, November 12th. So that Friday, November 12th. So obviously I couldn't do that trek anymore. Um, but I started on St. John first day, I kind of spent a couple hours there and then um, actually spent the night in Valcarlos. Uh, and then, um, because I just didn't really, I mean, of all the, you know, the stories that I've listened to, it's like you could push it on the first day, but 
the, the last thing I want was to ruin my the rest of my trip by like either getting a blister or getting so tired because I'm still jet lagged and, yeah. and all those things. So I stopped in Bar Carlos, actually rested up for a little bit and then made my way through um, my next stops. So I actually, the next day I skipped over um, Rances Valles for, you know, and then like went all the way to Espinal for my second stop. And um, it, it was interesting because, you know, it was a COVID year still. It was in around Invierno. So a lot of places already are closed like in a yeah. normal year. So I knew coming in that the albergue situation would be a little bit tricky and that I would be pre- I was prepared to walk maybe a little bit longer days yeah. than normal. And then, um, yeah, and I, I kind of re- I, I, I basically told myself that as much as I can, I would try to go off the schedule a little bit. Um, Meaning I wouldn't follow like the the stages like to to the queue because one because I was trying to avoid the the quote unquote crowds that could be in the same albergues and then um, and um, and just trying to really be safe because I wasn't sure what the masking and the COVID situation that was probably the big situation that was yeah. really like the big. Uh, if for me, but no, um, you know, luckily I, I trained enough and, uh, I only got one tiny blister the whole time. And I don't think it was, it was sort of, I guess, through walking, but it was more with my equipment, like my, my sock. But, um, yeah, those those were some long days, but I really enjoyed it. Um, I, I was telling people, I told people that, you know, the reason why I was doing it was I just wanted to see if I could do it physically. At least that's what I told people about that. There were other things that I probably was considering, but, um, you know, that really rose to the top for me. And I knew going in that I was not going to finish it in, you know, in, in three weeks, let alone, you know, in four or five, knowing the length of time it takes. So I knew early on that it was going to be an incomplete Camino. And uh, I was fine with that. And I think part of me probably decided that's like, okay, I know, you know, you may meet some people along the way. We may meet some really good friends, but you just have to be prepared that at some point you have to break it off (laughs) because you have to come back to work and then finish it off at some point. Yeah. Yeah. Both of those happened, and uh, it was, you know, it was, it was sort of b- bittersweet at the end. I'll bet. When I had to leave. Yeah, 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 yeah. And and when you say meeting people and and getting to know people and that whole experience of the pilgrimage, you said um, you survived a wet and soggy walk into Burgos. It was snowy oh. and rainy and windy in November. Uh, and a few more sublime days, but you said, finally understanding, Dan, what it's like to be part of a Camino family. Tell us about that experience and that revelation of sorts. Yeah, up to the point of, um, I think it was San Juan de Ortega, really before that, Belorado, I was basically on my own, uh, which is kind of like my 
how I live these days. I'm more of a hermit. I'm more of a, a solitude guy, solitaire guy. Um, so I, I kind of took that same mantra with me, you know, because of the COVID stuff. And I wanted to be, minimize the exposure as much as I can. Yeah. That was the trade-off I was willing to take. Yeah. Even though at some point I realized you're going to have to interact with people, uh, whether you like it or not. And, um, yeah, I was I was putting in some decent days and up to Belorado, there were some long days. And then the weather turned and then, um, you know, it got really cold. Um, I was prepared for it, but I was not prepared for the combination of rain, snow and wind all at once. And up to that point, I was fine being on my own, but, um, you know, the the one uh, pilgrim that I, that went with me that day, um, he's, uh, he's an Italian guy. Um, he somehow decided like, we will just walk together that day. And I, I remember that morning where I was like, okay, I guess we're all getting prepared. And he's, uh, he tends to walk quite fast. Yeah, which is which is really annoying for me, Dan, because he is a chain smoker. Like he would smoke every like, I don't know, like every so often, and you would think like he would be huffing and puffing, but he would like I would be like several kilometers ahead of him, and then lo and behold, he would catch up to me and then pass me. I'm like, what do I need to do to <laughs> catch up with him? But I was like, okay, look, Vince, this is this is not a race. <laughs> You're here to do your own Camino. And then we finally, um, you know, got together and that morning I said, hey, you can go ahead and walk and I'll probably take it slow today since the weather's quite bad. And he insisted on walking with me. And that was probably one of the gifts, the greatest gift that I could have received because I don't think I would have survived it on my own that day. It was literally kind of for survival. 15 minutes after leaving the albergue. Dan, you remember that little hut on the um, San Juan de Ortega, the Descanso, um, San Juan de Descanso, the, the pizza place on the, oh, yeah, the yeah, small yeah. right there? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we yeah. just stopped there and they had like eight beds the night before. And um, so we went on and, and started trekking and literally 15 minutes later, we were soaked to the bones and kid you not, this is, you know, this is already like 30 degrees Fahrenheit. So there's it's close, close to being zero degrees C wow. and it, I was already wet to the bone and I'm like, okay, I think um, if I'm going to die today, it's because of <laughs> hypothermia and you know, it's just because of the cold, but you know what, if there's a better place to <laughs> die, I guess it's the Camino, but, <laughs> but um, I think, just having him to talk uh, kept me from thinking, from taking myself to that dark place. Um, you know, I think he really helped me. I, I told him after we got to Burgos, said, hey, you really helped me out because I don't think I could have really, you know, uh, been uh, in survival mode. I could have made it uh, wow. as easily if, if just on my own. And I, I And I felt that he was... He felt the same as well. Uh, part of the reason why, too, is like, 
you know, my Spanish wasn't like the best, nor was his English. So it was kind of, and I spoke and I speak a little bit of Italian. So like at some point I was kind of mismatching both languages. Somehow, I guess we were able to conversate and we, we talked and, you know, got to know him a little bit. You know, the things yeah. that, you know, happens when the Camino. And yeah, yeah, yeah. I knew that there was more to him. And then for some reason down the road, when it finally came, uh, you know, a few stages, then I actually got to learn more about him and, and other people, really. Belorado was... Um, one of those places where I realized that these people that I was that I had dinner with would play prominently in in how I would my my stages would would play out down the road because I kept seeing the same people. And next thing we know, like fa- fast forward to Romista, we essentially had our own family there, and we literally had the whole uh, albergue to ourselves. With just all of us, um, you know, that we got to know each other. Yeah. And by that point, so in addition to the the Italian, I, I guess by this point there were already four or five Koreans, and then one um, uh, Latvian at that point. So yeah, so we had a, a, a nice little fam- uh, a f- family going on uh, at that point. Uh, we kind of broke off every so often, but somehow we we some found our way together, and it was really good because I think it got to a point where I think the weather was starting to wear on us, and that's why I think I mentioned in my email that you know I, I called them Camino Warriors because yeah, and and maybe this and maybe this is sort of like you know kind of off putting to some people, but. You know, it it's it's a little bit different when you're. I mean, maybe it's somewhat similar in the summer too, where you're like walking in the heat of the day. But here, it's like you know, it's going to be cold. Albergues are going to be not plentiful, and oh yeah, on top of that, like you know, COVID, and you know, mm, where yeah. a situation might be where there's usually less albergues, like even less now than before because of the COVID thing, and so all of those things considered. Um, you know, it, it made for a, a really special moment. And for some reason, all of us too, like even like those people that I mentioned that formed the like kind of a, the core of our, my uh, family, all of us were first timers. So somehow we found ourselves here at this point in, in the year, doing this together for the first time during this like winter Camino. And somehow we, you know, we're, we kind of relied on each other to... Um, you know, to, to survive and, and, yeah. and push each other through. And then you wrote to me to tell me that you returned home and then you cheered on your Camino warriors to push through. What was it like not being with them to finish? It was, um, yeah, it was, it was a really bittersweet moment because mm. It's kind of like what I said before. I knew I had three weeks. Like even the people that yeah. I mentioned, it's like, look, I'm only here for three weeks. I know I'm going to end it at some point. And at the time, I didn't know where I was going to end because I didn't know how fast I was going to go, uh, you know, how many days I was going to spend on an off day or something resting or if I got injured or something. So I didn't know. I, I was thinking, hey, maybe, 
you know, I'll, I'll, I'll try to kind of use Dan's kind of first Camino where he started in Sahun, yeah? Right? Yeah, and yeah. And then I was like, maybe if I'll make it there, that's sort of like halfway. And then everything after that, that's like, like you know, a cherry on top. And then, yeah. And um, and I was prepared for it. It's just, you know, you build those, those uh, friendships quite fast. And even more so when you when you have that shared suffering, like through the weather and yeah. cold, yeah, and having to like really find which albergues are open, even though on the apps they it says like, oh yeah, they should be open, but it's not mm. because somehow like you know it's off schedule or they decided to close or you know they were never open or something. So yeah, I think those shared experiences. That's when it really hit me. It's like this is where. The Camino really shows, you know, what what that is, uh, what that family bond is. And for me, I felt really conflicted and um, I felt like I was abandoning them um, because going back to my Italian friend, uh, he he would mentioned to me a few times on WhatsApp, I guess, after the, after a few days after I got back. I asked them flat out, it's like, how do you, how'd you feel about me leave, uh, leaving with you, uh, leaving you guys? And he, he kind of said it in the word he used in Ital- or Italian or Spanish is abandonado. It's just the, that word, like to me, kind of like almost like daggers in my heart because I already knew what I was feeling at the time. But to hear that from him and maybe from others, you know, it just kind of validated like, yeah, okay, I'm, I'm feeling pretty bad already. But yeah, because I, I just feel really guilty about it because I, I knew that, you know, I, I would have loved to struggle through and, and, um, you know, to see what the, you know, what climbing up Osobrero was going to be. I, from what I gathered, Dan, like a, a few of the, the hardcore ones even had to take a taxi because apparently the, the snow was so bad. Right. The snow, wind, and rain was like all there. And then, of course, add the, the lack of albergue situation. And then some of them, you know, they were a little bit hit or miss in terms of whether, you know, they're kind of restrictive in terms of adding or at least showing your passport for vaccination. So for that it made things a little bit more complicated. And, um, but as soon as I came home, I was like, I could either lull and and be depressed about the fact that I would rather be there, but that's not my reality. So I can't change that. So I actually became sort of like their cheerleader, you know, asking them like, Hey, where are you guys at? Um, you know, some people would, would say like, I'm really having a hard time. I, I don't know if I could push through this. It's like, I would be like, Hey, you're only like a few days to home, you know, uh, home will be here before you know it. You just have to keep pushing it. And, um, you know, the, the Latvian guy that I uh, met, um, I think after the fact, he told me, you know, he even shared, you know, really thanked me for helping him make it through because even for him, he's used to all that because he used to be in the military. Um, he, it was tough for him. Yeah, um, yeah. But he needed that extra encouragement, and I think he found that. I think 
with with my being far away cheering them on yeah yeah wow how fantastic you say the good news is of course you're aiming to return this year to complete your first Camino, perhaps even in the next month or so. So tell us what's going on in your mind right now. How are you preparing for that uh, mentally and yeah. physically? Yeah, I think mentally it's just kind of going back to what, you know, I struggled the most over there and trying to be more prepared for it. I feel like, and, and maybe you could tell me a little bit, because I'm trying to be uh, – some I, I want to be prepared for the stages, mm -hmm. but I don't want it to be where oh I know what's going to happen in that corner there or whatever. Like you know, I want I want some things to be kind of a mystery to me as well. Like I know which stops are going to probably be tough, but I don't want to be like oh I know this already because I've seen this so many times on YouTube or anything. So, um, but it seems like there's a lot of hills coming up uh, from Astorga. <laughs> That's where I stop. And so there's going to be a bunch of that. Uh, and I know I only got a little bit of, of that taste just doing the, the low route over the Pyrenees. So what I'm doing now is actually training a little more uphill, uh, climbing up mountains, just kind of getting my, my body in shape for it. I feel like that I can cover the distance okay. And I feel like that I my body is still kind of in that mode after what three or four months of doing it. So I, I considered my first part of my Camino kind of a test run for the second part. Yeah. So, um, and then um, probably mentally it's just getting myself more prepared for maybe um, the, the Spanish, um, you know, just being able to speak a little better Spanish because yeah. I felt like, I really went into it a little bit cold. I didn't. I, I thought I was be, was somewhat overconfident in my Spanish ability to speak, and I was humbled quickly that okay, maybe I didn't. I don't know it as well as I should. But you know, the hospitality and the the wonderful people there were, were just so great. They're they're so accommodating. But uh, maybe it's just a perfectionist in me. I I just wanted to do more and and be able to. Uh, communicate better because there is you you do you do sense that when they are trying when you are trying when they sense that you are trying for some reason they they uh they the treatment you get is somewhat different i'll just say that and yeah yeah there's no I, doubt it was really there yeah i was really a recipient of that like a few times and um you know i even got a couple of um you know, kudos from, you know, from just even trying and, and but so I, I'm trying to do that. Uh, but I think this time too, is a little bit different for me. I know I'm, I'm want to complete it and I don't know what I'll feel like once I finally walk into Santiago yeah. and it's also a holy year too, Dan. So I yeah. think I could have probably finished this at another time, but there's something about you know, maybe finishing it on a holy year and actually having walked both times during a holy year and then, you know, hopefully completing it. And, you know, I'm, I'm hoping for, you know, late April, uh, May. Um, so, yeah, so physically I feel like that I, I think I know what to expect, I think. 
But I think mo- mentally and emotionally, I'm in a somewhat different place than I was before. Yeah. Even like in the last four months. So uh, I feel like that I this time I actually have a little bit more in uh, searching to do than just, let's see if I could actually do this physically. You wrote to me to say, unlike the first time when you were doing it for physical reasons, you said, this time I have answers I'm aiming to find. If nothing else, just to see what I'll feel when I reach Santiago and maybe the rest can take care of themselves. What answers are you hoping to find? I'm in a crossroads of things. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I don't know. I feel like I, I'm looking for a, a change or changes, whether that's with my work situation or life in general or just location or whatever. Yeah. Um, I, I was sort of thinking about that the first time, but it never really played a role. But I feel like after the fact that became more a um, uh, a theme that re- you know kept repeating in my head, and um, so maybe so maybe that that's going to be driving me for a while for this for this second part. Um, you know, I. Sometimes I, I feel like that the Camino actually doesn't necessarily give you the answers per se, but it's almost like it just kind of it just clarifies the questions that you have been wanting so hard to, um, you know, to crystallize in your own head. Yeah. Because obviously, if you don't have the right question, if you don't even have a question, it's hard to really know what the answer is. And so, yeah, so I think for me, it's it's like I, I have a question in mind. It's just I think I'm waiting for the Camino just to see what happens there in terms of, you know, maybe how that, that shapes up to be. Wow. Wow. That's a great answer. So cast your mind back. You wrote to me, I think you said, on the train from Lourdes to Bayonne en route to Saint-Jean-Pierre-de-Port. What did you imagine was waiting for you on the Camino and did it live up to your expectations? It did, and then some. Oh. Um, I don't think it was ever a disappointment. I don't, I don't think I ever really thought that that would be, you know, uh, w- would be part of it. Um, I just didn't know how it would turn out exactly. And I think the beauty of it is just a lot of unexpected things happening along the way. Um, yeah, because I, I didn't know whether, so for example, I, I, you know, I I went to Lourdes to pray and for, um, people who I've lost over the years and, you know, you've had guests over the years where they have like walked you know, a portion of it, like every kilometer or something or a stage for somebody. And I thought that was going to be for me. Um, that never really happened, but I I did most of the praying portion when I was in that, you know, like in, in Lords and in the, in the very beginning, because what I didn't share with people at the time, besides like the physical part of it was, you know, whether I was doing it for certain people who in my family who had, who has can or going through cancer treatments or have had cancer or had some health concerns. And while they 
were prominently in my mind, selfishly, for some reason, it became more about my my own Camino, um, which was uh, really fitting because I, I think for me to be open to other people and in, in, in really enriching my own Camino, I had to at least be Uh, I need to at least be willing to make this my own Camino, not somebody else's Camino, not, you know, not according to the the books or, or anything, because it's kind of like the, the phrase, right? Like I can't really um, pour out from an empty cup. So I kind of need to re you know, re- replenish my own stock. And, 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 and that's when I am able to kind of take in other people's stories. And geez, I think it, it's by only, by, by only being willing to do that, I was willing to listen to other people's stories. And um, one example of that, Dan, is I actually sort of like on my walk to um, I'm trying to figure, I think it was on the way to, I was actually walking through Sahun, I think. Uh-huh. And um, I, I got talking with first with one of the Koreans and she and I ended up walking together. And usually I, I kind of keep things kind of mellow and we just kind of walk at a distance respecting each other, but I wanted to do something different this time. And so I started asking questions. So I put on, I was channeling you, Dan. I was asking questions <laughs> and just getting to know people and, and all that. And um, and it became like an interview really, because you know I wasn't being asked in return, but I was the one asking questions. And I was like, you know, if, if any of these things are like too personal or anything, please stop me. And, and it became, such a eye-opening experience for me and um in in the same way when i you know i actually took the moment to do the same with my uh, latvian friend and i learned more so much about him that i didn't know before he was such a imposing figure the first time i i met uh, i i saw him in los arcos I didn't even bother saying hi to him. He was so, I was so scared of him. I didn't want to like be in the, you know, interact with him. And, but he such a great heart. Um, and, you know, and, and it's such a great personality and, you know, we really bonded after that, um, yeah. you know, because I think we were, we were no longer just kind of pilgrims seeing each other kind of walking the same paths, but we actually are kind of, seeing each other through our own personal experiences. Um, When I was in Granion, I I met this guy, Greg, who's from Texas. And, um, you know, that Donativo there that everybody talks about, it's like, it's such a great location. Yeah. And um, it was a great start for me because it was a long day already. I needed a break. and it just happened to be an, an open one. And I heard that it was it was really a great spot to stop. So I got to ask him. And we actually walked the town. Um, and of course, probably one of the differences this time, you know, when you're walking in winter is 
there's not much not much time to really explore the city even like in in bigger towns because we would stop like five or six p.m. and then you know sunset would be around that time and so you don't really get to explore the town much anyway and yeah. plus a lot of places are already closed so not that you have much choice but this time we got uh, walking and there was actually a nice um nice sunset that was uh right on the horizon and i got talking to him and say you know say hey what you know what brought you here say well i i've been wanting to do this for a while and um meaning uh this was going to be a Camino with me and my wife and everything. But um, now I'm just kind of walking on my own. And I, I didn't realize I was sort of prying into the conversation, but I just kind of kept asking him questions. And then next thing I know, he just kind of uh, just said, so, you know, where's your wife now? And he just, he just, just, then I started bawling in front of me and oh, I didn't yeah. know. And he just said, well, he got, she got COVID and she actually died. Oh no. So yeah. And so she was like, well, I'm actually walking, you know, this in her memory and she, and you know, because I didn't really know if I should keep going and, you know, and, and that's when, that's when to me at that point, then it became more about my own Camino, but it was also another, like other people's Camino enriching my own Camino because that's when I realized, huh, I'm not going through the same stuff he is, but just hearing him kind of break or seeing him break down and hearing his story just made me realize that, you know, how much this walk means to other people. And how, you know, I should give it this, like, you know, even more the same respect that, you know, other, you know, the same way that they're approaching this. And yeah, I think he was, he was, he was so still in mourning and he, he would still talk to her and it was really sweet and would leave messages as if she was still around. And I think he was asking me, you know, we kind of left things in terms of, can I gave him an advice in terms of, you know, maybe, you know, you, you should at least allow yourself room for mourning the loss, because I don't think he was really like ready to do that and move on. He was just kind of going through the motions. And then, um, you know, that was the one, the one, the last thing I, I, I left him with because he was, he also got injured. So that was one of the things that he, he and I bonded over. Yeah. Because um, he, somehow he fell on one of, like on the way to Ronces Valles and then he's been nursing an injury and somehow he just kind of limped his way to Granion and he, he couldn't go on after that. The day after he had to take a taxi, I guess, to Borg, um, think Burgos or I think it's Burgos and that was it for him and maybe that was that was going to be his Camino but uh, he also reminded me that you know up to that point because I shared with him and also a bunch of other pilgrims that you know up to that point I've been putting in the mileage um, probably more more than usual and uh, they reminded me it's like you know you could kind of kill yourself trying to catch up to the stages and and all that but allow yourself to 
take it a little bit easy and and let let the Camino kind of take you where to go and and allow yourself to you know be enriched by other people's experiences and that was his reminder of me too like his parting words it's like you know just you know get don't don't let this be just a, a race for yourself you know just kind of take some time and, and and enjoy yourself so and ever since then i you know i i I've been kind of, he's been on my thoughts and I wish I had gotten his, his, his email or his contact. So hopefully if he's listening to this somewhere <laughs> along the way, he'll, 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 um, <laughs> you know, he'll reach out. But, uh, yeah, that was, um, that was, that was such a great stop for me. Well, I can see that you've been blessed by the endeavor, the journey, the, the pilgrimage. And I was talking to some pilgrims heading over later this year and they were just so excited I'm excited for you. There's an old Irish blessing, Vince. May the road rise up to meet you. May the wind always be at your back. May the sun shine warm upon your face and rains fall soft upon your lands. So thanks for taking the time to talk to me today. I've thoroughly enjoyed it. And, and I'm, I'm pleased that you reached out to finally talk to me and, and to talk to my audience. It's really been a pleasure. Buen Camino. Thanks, Dan. I'm Gwen Camino. My guest this week was Vince Bacalan. It was Plato who said, Music gives a soul to the universe, wings to the mind, flight to the imagination, and life to everything. What a blessing it is to have your company each week. You and I both know how this is going to end, right? <laughs> After talking about Sandy earlier, I've got to finish it with the ukulele. Until next week, I'm Dan Mullins. Buen Camino. summer day has come and gone away in Paris or Rome I want to go home mm-hmm. maybe surrounded by a million people I still feel all alone just want to go home I miss you you know and I've been keeping all the letters that I wrote to you Each one a line or two I'm fine, baby, how are you? I would send them, but I know that it's just not enough My world's are cold and flat You deserve more than that Another airplane on the sunny place I'm lucky I know But I wanna go home mm, Gotta go home Let me go home I'm just too far From where you are I gotta go I just stepped outside When everything was going right And I know just why you couldn't come along with me This was not your dream But you always believed in me 
Paris day has come and gone away in either Paris or Rome. But I wanna go home. Let me go home. And I'm surrounded by a million people. I still feel all alone. Let me go home. I miss you, you know. I'll be home tonight I'm coming back home